Hello, welcome to the first edition of a new podcast entitled The Undoing, a therapy session podcast, a weekly discussion on the HBO miniseries The Undoing, which is a show run by David E. Kelly. It stars Nicole Kidman in the leading role, Hugh Grant, as well as a number of other folks, including Edgar Ramirez, Matilda de Angelis, uh, Ishmael Cruz Cordova, and various other folk. Um, we are planning to do a critique and a review of each episode. So as the show uh, evolves over the weeks, uh, we hope you are here to listen and uh, enjoy our discussion on this, what may be an interesting show. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the US of A, and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? It is going well. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how are you, sir? Well, I am still searching old Mac games because the question of which game that Barrett and I were talking about is really driving me nuts now. <laughs> talking about an old well, Mac. Uh, either way. But anyway. All right. Very well. Uh, but uh, so uh, folks who are uh, curious uh, or want to know more about us, we are part of the Dark Discussions Network of Podcasts which can be found at darkdiscussions.com. You can find this podcast there, as well as numerous other podcasts. And you can find this podcast also uh, through the various uh, podcast uh, apps and websites, so Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and so on and so forth. You can uh, search under two different feeds, uh, the Dark Discussions Network of Podcast feed, which will include this podcast as well as all the podcasts of the network. But... You can also search for The Undoing, a therapy session podcast, and you'll find the podcast there as well, which will only include the episodes for this show. Um, you can join the, our uh, Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. Uh, you can email us or contact us through the contact form on the website or uh, just email darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and then darkdiscussions1, or actually darkdiscussion1 uh, is our Twitter handle. You can find us there as well. Uh, if you have any feedback on the show and you want to give your thoughts, uh, please send those over to darkdiscussions at AOL.com or the contact form on darkdiscussions.com, and we will read your thoughts and opinions of the show on our podcast each week. So if you can get it in before um, we record, we will email, I mean, we'll read it that week. Uh, we're going to generally record on Wednesday nights. Uh, maybe maybe uh, move it around a bit, but uh, the episode should, should come out no later than Thursday. Um, the first episode of the show, or, or its debut, it came out on the 25th of October. And uh, we are recording now on the 28th of October. Uh, for some information about the show, uh, David Kelly is probably one of the, the most uh, prolific and successful uh, showrunners, uh, television folks uh, out there. 
He, he is uh, been the showrunner of numerous TV shows, including Mr. Mercedes, Big Little Lies, uh, Boston Legal, Boston Public, Ally McBeal, Chicago Hope, The Practice. Uh, this guy is huge. Um, he um, has gotten a lot of followers to fall to come to this show because of Big Little Lies, because this is his uh, second show where he has used Nicole Kidman as the lead, and it's also the second show uh, that he's done that's on HBO. Um, this is uh, a show that's based off of uh, a novel. Um, the novel is You Should Have Known by Gene Hanth. Carlitz, uh, so I'm not sure how it will uh, play versus the, the the novel. Will it be a, a good adaptation or not? We won't know. Uh, none of us have read the book. Uh, if you've read the book, please email us and let us your, know your feelings. Uh, the director, at least for the first five episodes, and it appears for the entire season of six, is Suzanne Beer, who is a uh, pretty uh, well-liked uh, uh, director, she's from uh, I believe Denmark, um, and she has won an Emmy, Golden Globes, some numerous European awards, and uh, and so forth. Uh, she also directed uh, the horror film Bird Box, uh, the Netflix exclusive uh, to uh, movie that uh, came out just uh, two years ago. Um, all right, so I guess we can uh, get into our thoughts of this show and how we heard about it and then we will uh, give a, I guess a description of what the show is about and uh, then we will start discussing and critiquing so let's start with you Bert um, so I I like this first episode it's a little bit slowish. I wouldn't call it slow um, you're getting a lot of setup in this first episode and but the end makes it very worthwhile. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. And I always loved Nicole Kidman and all the other acting was really well done as well. All right. Very good. Um, yeah, for me, um, I just heard about it because uh, HBO it was, uh, or HBO max as it's called now, it was, was pushing it pretty, pretty big um, as their new, hit show or, or what they hope to be the hit show to re be the Sunday night show for the next six weeks. Anyway, um, Sunday night is their big night of television, uh, ever since stuff like the Sopranos and game of Thrones and, and Watchmen and then Lovecraft country. And now this is the, the new one to, uh, replace all of those. Um, and, uh, yeah, it does have uh, some big names tied to it, including, uh, the act two lead actors, of Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman, as well as the showrunner David Kelly. Um, so uh, my wife wanted to watch watch it, so uh, I said sure. Uh, we, we took a look at the trailer. The trailer actually was was pretty dang interesting, even though uh, it it was very vague, which was kind of good. So it was a, a really well done trailer because it didn't really tell you too much, um, and yet it it made the show look. Uh, pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I actually uh, thought the show was pretty solid. Uh, I like dramas a, a lot, and this is going to be a mystery and thriller most likely as well. So it uh, really uh, worked for me uh, big time. So I'm I'm very happy 
and I am uh, definitely uh, looking forward to the next episode. Uh, Kevin. Yeah. Um, I heard of this mostly through you. Uh, and you said, hey, you know, I just watched this one show and I think it's pretty awesome. And I think we got to do, uh, you know, our next uh, podcast series on it. And that's, I said, all right. Well, and I was, I have to admit, I was kind of skeptical and thinking, all right, you know, we just went through Lovecraft Country and I, I have, you know, I've got a few things on my plate. But then I watched the show and I just said, you know, I was afraid of this, that I was going to watch it and end up liking it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you've got, I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the two the two stars, I mean, um, uh Names just completely escape me right now. Nicole Hugh Grant. Nicole Hugh Grant. Nicole Grant. Okay. <laughs> you've got, thank you. I mean, you've got two uh, high quality actors. Um, you know, Nicole Kidman's been in a whole, a whole lot. Hugh Grant has been in a whole lot. And Hugh Grant is, he's got his own kind of particular style. I mean, he always has to, he always is kind of like a an uppity person, but he's, uh, um, you know, some of them, he's like an uppity snob that everybody hates. And then others, he's kind of uppity, but he's really likable. Uh, <laughs> I just saw the, the segment with him and Tom Arnold in uh, the show, the movie Nine Months, where they, they beat <laughs> up the equivalent of. Uh, <laughs> and every time I see that segment, it just brings tears to my eyes. I mean, the I scene I, is great. I, I have a tough time breathing after that because I, mean, I remember the first time I saw it. Oh, it, it was on HBO or whatever, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I just, I, I, you know, and I think my girlfriend that was watching it with me at the time just looks at me. She says, "Kevin, calm down. I said, this is hilarious," because it was at the time when Barney was this this really big thing, you know, and oh, and I was just sick to death of Barney. And then I see Tom Martin and Hugh Grant beating the crap out of. Him. Oh yeah, it was classic. But anyway, yeah, so you've got two very uh, high-quality actors um, who've been in a lot of good stuff, and they do not disappoint. All right, any other thoughts? Well, I've got quite a few thoughts, but we'll, we'll get into the show, for, you know, get into the show. Indeed. All right, very well, very well. Uh, okay, so... Uh, Let's see what we got for uh, a wiki or IMDb um, for, for the show. Um, and I'm uh, doing that right now because the wiki oddly uh, replaced the original IMDb. I mean, their little synopsis with the episode synopsis, which was uh, kind of unfortunate. So I'll read it here. It says, life for a successful therapist in New York begins to unravel on the eve of publishing her first book. All right. That's as vague as you can get. Doesn't say anything about... Book. I didn't know What's she... That, I didn't know she was going to publish a book. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was uh, really explained in the first episode yet, so uh, um, I guess that, that'll be something that we're going to find out in the subsequent episodes. Uh, what about yourself, Barrett? Did you did you see anything in the first episode about her as a therapist publishing a book, or, or no? Or are you with 
Okay, so you're with no. us. Yeah, so that must yeah. be something that that is going to happen as as uh, the season be, uh, goes on. That is the uh, wiki says she's a, going to publish it, or that she has published a book. It's on the eve of it being published. Oh, well, yeah. There's nothing about that in the episode. Okay, good. Cause yeah. I, had, I was wondering if I missed it. No, yeah. <laughs> unless it was so subtle that I, all three of us missed it. There was nothing in there that I remember that detailed that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think there was anything there. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, let's, let's let me just do a, a quick setup before we get into critiquing and reviewing, and we're going to spoil it uh, because most people who are listening to this have probably watched the show and came looking for a podcast discussion on the show. And so uh, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. So there is no need for a spoiler flag uh, since we will dissect and critique and review anything and everything about the show. But before we do that, uh, synopsis. synopsis. Uh, so basically, it's a very wealthy couple. Um, a oncologist is the, uh, played by Hugh, Hugh Grant and a therapist, uh, and it's unknown if she's a medical doctor or just a, um, a, a therapist. Uh, uh, but either way, she's she's really good at her job. Uh, their names are Grace and Jonathan Fraser. Uh, they have a, a young son uh, named uh, Henry. Um, they live in uh, I, I guess they I guess they call them brownstones. They call them brownstones in, in the Boston area. But uh, basically, these these uh, well-to-do uh, street condo not condos but but townhouses or, or actual homes that are all kind of connected. Uh, down a whole block of, of uh, streets in Manhattan, um, but are individually owned. And um, so they got a lot of money. Uh, obviously, their profession is, is uh, the type that would, would pay them good money, never mind the fact that they live in New York. Uh, we also know that, as we find out later in the, the episode, that Nicole Kidman's character comes from big money herself, because her father is a big-time uh, millionaire. Uh, we don't know enough, about, much about him yet, but we know he has a lot of money. Um, and they send their child to a private uh, school uh, that's, that's I guess, elite. Uh, and this is like an elementary school, um, first to sixth grade, I would assume. And so they, 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 yeah, they definitely are what we would call bourgeois uh, upper class or, or uh, at the worst, upper middle class, but definitely. Oh, good grief! School costs fifty thousand dollars a year for their kid. That that's it. we're not talking upper middle class. We're talking yeah, we're talking very yeah, rich. What's one percent? Yeah, yeah. He's right. definitely a what they're yeah they're definitely one percent. I mean they like I said they the the school cost fifty thousand dollars for they, for an elementary school for an elementary school <laughs> to. I mean, they go to an auction to help pay, help you know help the pay the teachers and for and I have to admit this one this this is a bit noble they they went to an auction to raise money for scholarships for kids who could not afford it. Um, but the thing is, they're talking about well, we want diversity, which kind of tells me that the people that they're mostly going for are are essentially non-whites. Uh, because like when you go to this party, you don't see anybody 
except for like maybe an, an Asian couple, but everybody else is uh, everybody else is white. I don't think you see any black people in the, uh, uh, you know, in, at the auction. And so what they're doing is, and one of the people that is getting the scholarship is a Hispanic uh, child. So I mean, they're talking. So essentially, they're kind of giving this the, the message that essentially uh, the rich people are whites and Asians. Yeah, and that that is probably true. Um, in many cases, the whites and and Asians, uh, when 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 it comes to such things as affirmative action and uh, um, things like that, when it comes to uh, hiring or or getting folks into colleges. Um, it usually doesn't include uh, Asian folk and Asian meaning both East Asian uh, as well as Central Asian um, and, and of course white folk. So it usually means uh, black, Latinos, uh, indigenous and things of that nature when people uh, just talk that way. Um, as we know, like Harvard University was, was uh, actually re- rejecting a lot of Asian folk, and, and then they had a big lawsuit uh, as a, a whole group of uh, Asian people who were complaining about that. So, so yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right, uh, Kevin. And I also um, will discuss too. Um, are they doing it for uh, virtuous reasons? Uh, these scholarships, or is it really more just to be hip? Or I think some of them be... are probably virtuous. Some of them just want to um, feel better about themselves. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> I think there's probably a range of different people in that in that crowd. You know, people that really want to help. You know, the less fortunate get into that school, and then there's some that are you know maybe doing donations for tax purposes and you know all sorts of different reasons. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, you get some that are probably saying, you know, hey, you know, we we really do want to give people who are uh, not as fortunate um, an opportunity to get the education that our kids have, and then you get some who, you know, probably do it just to feel better about, like you said, just to feel better about themselves. Well, and I thought it was funny. I just had nightmares of Lovecraft Country when they did that whole diversity scene. <laughs> I was just like, oh, oh yeah. no, please. But I, I, I know where it was going in this, and it wasn't like, you know, trying to hammer home a message. It was just showing what these people are doing in this particular case. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean, this show, and, and again, not to compare it to Lovecraft Country, since uh, that show... Um, we did a whole entire podcast called A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast that you can go listen to if you want. Uh, but but this show here uh, was more rooted in reality, obviously, because it's, it's not a supernatural one like Lovecraft Country. But it also is more realistic in how they are portraying, um, I guess, the differences in, in classes and things of that nature. Um, well, and you have your so, social you know, justice it, warriors in every class of people, you know what I mean? So some of them were probably yeah, social yeah. justice warriors that want this huge diversity thing. So, Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what you guys felt about the auction, um, but uh, I, I could see that being the limousine liberals, um, you know, living it up 
big time where nothing's going to affect their life because they have enough money stored away that even if um, something bad happened, their life isn't going to change. Um, well, I mean, somebody, but, uh, what was it? Somebody gave $10,000 for a glass of water. Glass of water, right? Yeah, yeah. That was, the, that was the first auctioned item, right? Yeah, it was the first auctioned yeah. item. I mean, it, it was symbolic, you know. I mean, it was yep. symbolic, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of the, okay, let's let's get the ball rolling, but still. Right. Well, so, some people, you know, there, there's two types of, of people, and, and Kevin, you'll, you'll definitely uh, know know what we're talking about because of um, you're, you're a, I guess, a born-again Christian, so you, you can look at things differently than um, other folks because of that. Um, but... What it is is you have two people that donate money. You have the ones that do it quietly, and then you have the ones that do it and they want recognition, right? So the one, the person who said, "I'll give ten thousand for the cup of water," you know, it's it's a good thing, but again, you know, they're getting a pat on the back, you know. So it's almost like they're kind of doing it themselves. And and, and we know the the famous line from from the Bible, uh, being a Roman Catholic myself, going to CCD. Um, the, the man that gave a, a bag of silver and the woman that gave the copper and 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 one of the apostles you make I'm, I'm probably bastardizing the, the the story but you can correct me after Kevin where he says to Jesus he goes that man's a good man he look what he did he gave a th- a, a bag of silver and and Jesus says yeah but the the woman um, is even better and then the apostle says yeah but that's only copper and he goes and he goes Jesus goes yeah but the bag of silver to the wealthy man means nothing, while the copper that the the woman gave is, is probably her her monthly salary, and and then the apostle goes, oh, I see your point. So they're doing pretty, good, but yeah, that was pretty close. What's that? Yeah, that's pretty, pretty close. close. Yeah. So so yes. So, so they're, they're, they're uh, you know, you can, you can look at it two ways. I mean, you know, it's, you know, bravo for them to do what they're doing because they are helping some people and those people they're helping are probably saying, thank God we're getting this help because otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be able to get into that school because we're going to pay for it. And it will make my child's life better in the long run if they stay in the straight and narrow because they're going to have a better education and then have better options for college and meeting famous, you know, important people that can get the jobs. But again, it's, it's also kind of, um, you know, these, these people that live in a bubble that don't have to worry about money patting each other on the back because it's not like they're living in the same neighborhoods as the people that they're trying to help. Right. Their kids just have to encounter them at school. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, uh, I and I think that the, the scene of the auction was kind of interesting because it wasn't in your face saying that you know the hypocrisy, but if you really look at it, you, you could see it. But you could also look at it as just people at an auction. Well, and, you know, if you look at it, like, all this money that was spent for just this party, and they were at a person's house who was gone, yeah, that were supposed there. to be running the thing, they weren't even there. And this is a, this place, their house, their condo, whatever you want to call it, mansion in the sky, 
overlooked a view of New York that was just amazing. <laughs> and it's it just kind yeah. of it gives you this sense of unreality for how they live their lives that you know, they don't have to worry about money and they go to these parties where they're giving money away and but it, yeah, it's not like in your face that way, but you see what they how they live, which is very different. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really true. That's really true. Um, it's definitely a life that I, I'm not familiar with. That's for sure. Yeah, me neither. So. <laughs> I would love to be familiar with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not ever having to worry about money. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, so that's that's the general type of uh, family life or other people. Most of the people uh, that are the characters in, in this this show, um, and and we we jumped somewhat ahead, like I think maybe thirty minutes into the episode to talk about the auction because that's um, I think when it occurs. But it it's an excellent point that you brought that up, Kevin, because to explain what type of people we're looking at, whether or not they're guilty of being pompous asses or not, or, or one percenters or not, it it doesn't matter because they are a part of that community, even if well, they feel otherwise. Go yeah, ahead. You, you get the sense that they are living the same types of lives as us. Like they work jobs, they just have more money than they need to worry about. So it, you know, you get a sense that they just live like everybody else, except they got a lot of money. Right, because they're all right. going to well, their daily jobs, is, you know. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Because there, it's an interesting thing about about the one percent is that the one percent at a certain point don't have to do what they're doing because they don't need the money anymore. So they're doing it for, I guess, other reasons. Maybe because they just like doing that type of work. Maybe it gives them a purpose. Maybe they don't have any hobbies. Or or, or charitable things that they can think of that that would fill the ga- the the gap in their life otherwise. Um, but at a certain point, right, right. I mean, you know, we we talk about Bill Gates and and Warren Buffett and uh, any famous musician like like uh, uh, Ariana Grande or whatever. I mean, they're 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 all filthy rich. They don't need the money anymore. They can just on a pizza power if. if you know that's what they wanted to do. They don't have to do anything anymore, and yet they still decide to do so. So you figure um, something's driving them, even though they don't need to do these things anymore. And so, what is odd about it is what you said, Barrett, which is they are kind of living the same, you know, nine to five, and maybe even more because some of their jobs may require more work because of the type of jobs they are and so their life seem somewhat normal and yet they have certain things in their life that they don't even have to worry about because they don't need the money anymore so yeah. it's, it's just it's an interesting thing it it's makes really them very it, yeah it makes their characters relatable i think um seeing them go about their daily tasks seeing nicole kidman go and listen to people's problems you know even though she technically really doesn't have to work probably at all. So 
it's interesting. Yeah, let's, let's talk well, about. I don't know if he was saying he doesn't have to. Okay. I don't know. If, go on. No, no, I was going to switch the topic, so continue what you're going to say. Well, I, I don't think that. Well, you really don't know. Hmm. You don't know if, if they if they really needed to work or not. I mean, I mean, you're looking. I mean, they live in New York City. They live in a decent neighborhood. They have a decent size. I mean, for New York City, they have a decent sized house. Okay, they are not even in an apartment. They're not in a, they're not in kind of a penthouse in a high rise, but they actually have a house. Um, I mean, it's I mean, it's kind of it looks like a typical like New York City's larger scale house in that. It's still, I mean, it's decent size, but it's kind of thin. You know, it's not really spread out. It's kind of more goes up. But um, well, that's how most most places are. Well, that's New York York City, right? And that's what I was saying is that. um, But I mean, they they both work. um, But the thing is, is that I think that's how they're able to keep up that you know, that lifestyle. I mean, if, if Nicole Kidman says, all right, you know what, I'm done, you know, maybe they couldn't afford the $50,000 a year to send their son, um, to that, to that school. I would say that except her dad is very rich and I, I just foresee her having money regardless. Well, money regardless. Yes. But I don't know how much besides, um, like I said, I, I really don't know how, how exactly how much a house like that costs, but um, I mean, it's obvious that, you know, Nicole Kidman, both of their jobs are important to them. Um, and who knows? I mean, I don't know. I, I just think I just think that, you know, both of them working is is important to them, but I also think it, it does help them keep up the, their way of life. Yes, she is from money, but I mean, it's not like she's, it doesn't sound like she's getting a, you know, a, let's just say a pension from daddy. Right. You know, she's making yeah, her no, own. Yeah, she, she's definitely making her own. I, I mean, obviously the ability to, she, she's a smart human being no matter what. And uh, the money obviously helped her get probably into elite colleges, schools, private schools, um, contacts to to you know get get even uh, more uh, successful and so on and so forth. But yeah, she's definitely someone that that uh, is is worthy of, of the, the prestige of a therapist that she is for sure. Um, and and that's fair, Kevin. To to, to be fair, because again, you know, we're, we're not here to um, use the one percent as a punching bag. Uh, even though the show may, again, we don't know yet because it's still early in uh, the miniseries. But, but yeah, we, we definitely should look at at both sides uh, as well, which is uh, what you just brought up, Kevin. So that's that's uh, well well put. Um, well, I'm not. Now, I'm not using uh, them as a punching bag. I don't want that to be the thought of what I was saying. Same here. Same here. Okay, um, but. Yeah, I, I I didn't think I was either. Uh, if anything, um, we were just making a commentary on what the show was showing us, and it could be interpreted many different ways. And then yeah. Kevin was, I, I think, Kevin, you were just basically saying 
you know, um, them as people, if we just look at them as people, uh, right, right. I mean, their lifestyle they have and all that other stuff, they're, they're still going to have to afford it because they choose to have that type of lifestyle. Um, and then, Barrett, you made a good point, too, which is even if they both lost their jobs or had some scandal, uh, her father has so much money. I mean, he looks like he's, like, more than 1%. He's, like, the, the top yeah. echelon. Uh, they, they'll never have to worry about uh, money ever. Um, now let's talk about a therapist, uh, her being a therapist. And so she has her own office uh, and meets with uh, people, both marriage counseling as well as individual stuff. So, so kind of a jack of all trades because they, they show at least two different types of sessions. Um, but the thing that's funny about the, this session, these sessions is the people that she has as uh, patients, I guess, are themselves one percenters as well. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting, too. And their issues, though legitimate and can make people sad and upset and whatever, they are also kind of first world problem-like, and a lot of their problems are self-inflicted. Um, so I, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. Um, are do you think you think the, I guess these are mirror images of her in a sense? You know, you know, her life is good. She doesn't have these weird problems like these other wealthy folks that she's basically, um, I guess, um, doing therapy therapy sessions with. Um, I'm not sure if they're mirror images, but they're definitely interesting. I, the one that sticks in my head the most is the woman who um, has had, you know, the multiple marriages. And she, when she talks to her, that, that just sat in my mind a little more than anything else, just because that was pretty funny how she gave her counsel and, and the woman left <laughs> in anger. Yeah, because, well, yeah, because she, she says, I, I like what kind of what she said, because I can understand, I mean, I've heard other friends of mine kind of go through the same thing, which was, <clears throat> excuse me, um, what was it, you know, they, they come to me and ask my advice, and then they get all upset when they, when they, when they hear it. Yeah. You know, but the thing, I mean, I, there's a lot of people who, who go to the counseling for that, it's like, you know, they, they want to hear something. They want to hear what they want to hear. And then when they actually get told something that's when the, when the truth isn't what they want to hear, they get upset and leave. And but I think it's sure, sure. I think it shows it, it like it humanizes her really well. Nicole Kidman's character. Um, it just shows her dealing with, you know, people's problems and how she reacts to them. And she seemed to be giving good advice. So she oh, yeah. seemed good at her job. Well, I think they, they both yeah, are. Well, yeah, so, I would agree. I mean, yeah. they both are because I mean, Hugh Grant, well, me, go on. Well, no, to continue the thought because that's, that is interesting. And I'll just ask after. Okay. Well, I mean, Hugh Grant, um, first of all, I mean, he's, his name, as far as an oncologist goes, is, um, he's got a name for himself as an oncologist. I mean, they, they, you know, um, 
people, I mean, he, he's, his name is recognized, you know, in, in his, in the field. And, you know, he speaks at very, I mean, he's, he's, he's invited to speak at uh, conventions and uh, I can't remember if he wrote a paper or something, but I mean, like I said, people know who he is, but then he also has a very human quality to him. Um, Like his bedside manner is fantastic because, I mean, he's sitting there with that one poor girl who's sick. He thinks he, he, he's pretty much convinced that she's probably going to die but he's just joking around with her i mean the way hugh grant does you know his very british dry sense of humor which i appreciate you know when he's talking to her he said here about this i'll give you 10 bucks if you get better she's a question about that scene actually because it's nicole kidman's character's memory of that now i wonder how you know i think he probably is that way yeah, I wonder the accuracy of it, just because, I don't know, I, I something about that made it, when she woke up and you realized that it was her memory of it, it something about it seemed different. I don't know. Gave I me a know. weird pause. Right. And it, because the thing is, when you see him talking with his kid, when you see him talking with Nicole, I mean, the, the one thing about the marriage, well, anyway, I'll, I'll just finish. He, you know, he's, he's saying, you know, says, normally I would tell you, you know, you know, work hard, you're brave, you're strong, but I usually figure cash usually works a whole lot better, you know, and the, yeah, and he just seemed like he's got such a great bedside, uh, bedside manner. But then when you see him react with his family his his wife and his kid, I mean, at least at the beginning, um, there's, you see a guy who obviously will apparently really loves his family. I mean, he, you know, and it's also interesting, interesting that he's willing to walk to the school with his kid and the son doesn't seem to be embarrassed about it. Because, you know, at that age, you know, kids are like, oh, I don't want to be seen with my parents. And he's like walking with his with his dad, like, you know, I this is this is fine. I don't have a problem with that. You know, he really, you know, appreciates his time with with his own dad, you know, and and it's obvious that I mean, Hugh Grant does nothing but compliment uh nicole kidman throughout the the show you know whenever we see him he, you know he's mm-hmm. calling her sexy you know he's calling her beautiful he's calling her smart and he's just i mean just showering compliments and he's just you just see this you know this uh, his um i wouldn't say well their admiration but this adoration you know he shows this complete adoration towards his wife um which makes the ending all the more yeah painful. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you don't know, right? You can suspect, but you just you just don't know what's happening because she has no evidence. Well, okay, no proof. I mean that he's off doing something with someone he shouldn't. Um, you know, so I I don't know. It, it's interesting because I mean even. I mean, even when he sees the the his the, the I don't know what the Hispanic woman, the Latino, okay, the Latino woman, you know, and she's walking around with a low cut dress and uh, and all that, and he's just like, oh, you know, that's her, oh, okay, that's cool. Hey, you're looking great, you know. I mean, he really he barely even notices her. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll we'll bring her up in a little bit. I don't even know if right. she is Latino. Yeah, I'm not. Um, we, she we sounds her, Russian. Her, hus- her husband is. She sounds yeah, Russian. Yeah, the actress is actually 
the actress is actually from and and does all her acting in Italy. So she's actually Italian, 100%. So she, but she oh, okay. obviously can do what Nicole Kidman can, which is fake the accent, American accent, pretty well. Um, but again, though, she she's definitely Caucasian, and and as we know, a lot of Latinos are Caucasian. Yeah. Uh, they can be of any race. But again, we we don't know if she's Latino or not, except that she's married to um, her last name is Elves because she took her husband's married name. Right. Her first name is but she. Elena, right? Yeah, yeah, Elena. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So she could just be a Caucasian, but, but either way, the, the the family makeup that she comes from, or, or that she's married into, is Latino. Uh, but before we get into that, um, I wanted to bring up uh, Nicole Kidman again with the the therapy, um, and we had the two therapy sessions, which is this wealthy woman who is horrible with marriage, and then we have a. a a, a gay couple, LGBTQ couple, two men, uh, and I think interracial. So you know the Modern Family type thing, and they're one is cheating on the other. Um, what, let me ask you this: Why do you think a lot of a lot of shows, a lot of movies, when they show stuff about work, unless it's directly related to the main plot, um, it's not really shown much, except that you know, like maybe a minute where they're in the office and they leave or whatever. But here they decide to show two of her therapy sessions, which don't look like they're really part of the main plot, except to just show a day in the life of her job, which is usually odd because, again, usually you don't have that type of stuff unless it's, you know, like the TV show The Office or something like that, which which that's the focus. So my question is, since they did this, why do you think they chose the married woman who who can't? stay married and a cheating uh same sex couple do you do you think do you think th- that was intentional it has to be intentional right because i mean you know that will they could have chosen anybody uh do you think it has something to do with some, the plot or or something that's coming up that's why i was thinking maybe it's like a mirror image of her happiness versus these miserable people that she interviews I see what you're saying. It is kind of a dichotomy between what she's what we're what it appears to be that she has in her life. And I say appears because by the end of the episode, we're not so sure. Right. And the the difference between who she's helping in their lives are all messed up with their significant others. Because hers seems perfect. You see that adoration and it seems real. And it seems like this is a great relationship that she has with her husband and her child. And it doesn't seem like anything could possibly be wrong. Right, right, yeah. Because the father or her her husband is a really good father, as Kevin said. He seems like a a uh, a good husband, uh, not just as a, um, a sexual partner, but but as as a best friend to to Nicole Kidman's character. They're, they're like best friends. So, um. Yeah, it's it seems like uh, everything's everything's a okay, and um, it makes makes their relationship and the whole family that's of the three of them look even better when we see these people she's counseling who are of the same social class, but they're miserable and and kind of rotten people. So yeah, yeah you later it, on. It is. I mean, it might. I mean, there's that. There's also. I'm just kind of wondering if, 
like you get the first woman. I mean, first of all, we see how Nicole Kidman's character is very uh, logical and, you know, she's able to think through the situation and she's able to analyze the situation, um, you know, like with the first woman that, you know, she pretty much she said, you know, you're you're so you're so essentially anal about things like you'll, you'll read through all these reports and you read through all of these, you know, studies and all that before you even choose a dishwasher. Yet when you find a guy that seems remotely interested in you, you just jump into it without even thinking, you know, and then you get the, the, the couple the, the gay couple where, you know, I mean, the one guy leaves, but then Nicole just kind of just kind of cuts right through and just, you know, and she does the same thing. She doesn't wander around it. She just kind of goes straight to the point and says, you know, you're thinking he's being over controlling and you wanted to get caught because you wanted to show him that you cannot be controlled. And the guy's like, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, and the thing is, is that even the woman who uh, got all upset and left, I mean, she realized that, you know, Kidman was right, but she just didn't want to admit it while the other guy at least admitted, yeah, you're right. Um, but that's, I mean, it just shows her skill, but I'm sure there's going to be something relevant to that, at least the gay couple later. Well, and you see how close her family is. Like when she tells their kid about why the dad doesn't want a dog. Because yeah. he had been scared when he was younger because um, the dog had gotten out and gotten killed and his parents blamed him for it. Right. Um, and she's like, don't tell him I told you this. And it's just a, it's a really good scene that shows how close they all are. Yeah. Well, and also, assuming, assuming this, if the, the story's true. Yeah. And that, about that's him as a little too. boy. Right. But, but let's say it's let's say it's true. It, it shows that even these wealthy folks who are, are, are doing really well, that are successful, are smart, can, can, can get through medical school or whatever, they too have traumas from childhood or, or issues that that's bother them, you know? So yep. it kind of like humanizes them a little bit as well. They're, they're not, you know, that different, except um, they're more successful than, than the middle class. Um, now, uh, let's, let's talk about, yeah, we brought up the Latino person and, uh, uh, or, or, or at least the mother. Well, let's talk about that because, uh, Nicole Kidman is on the auction committee and, uh, the, the, there's a bunch of mothers that decide to hold, uh, you know, meetings, uh, up until the auction, uh, to set it up and all that. And, uh, we get to meet a group of them and there's a handful of them one stands out because she's her best friend Nicole Kidman's best friend and then the other person that shows up is a, is a newcomer to the group and that's Elena who out of the group is not only the newcomer of the auction committee group but she's also quote unquote out of place in a sense because she well, is there's no a mother about it she's definitely out of place definitely out of place yeah <laughs> right. She's out of place because she is from Spanish Harlem or, or that's where she lives versus, you know, uptown or downtown or whatever the good sections are. Manhattan She's one are of called. the diversity people. Yes. Yes. So so the question what I was going to say was she she's the one one of the people whose child 
that goes to the school is a uh, um, what, what are those things called again? Scholarship person. Yeah, so yep. of, scholarship. Yeah. Right, right. And her son is is at, at the least half Latino because the right. father is is a uh, a person of color Latino. So he so he's more you know mixed mulatto black indigenous or whatever you know some someone like for example he would be more like pedro martinez versus say ted cruz right ted cruz is as white as you can get and pedro martinez was, was as black as you can get and yet they're both considered latino so the father is is more of the the, the person of color and the child is too but uh, but as as we see in mixed couples the, the wife's second child, the, the baby that she brings to the committee is also a Caucasian like her. So, so, you know, depending on what genes flow through the, the one, one is the older son that goes to school is, is, is a person of color while the younger person uh, looks, the younger child looks basically Caucasian. Um, so she doesn't fit in obviously because she's not wealthy She's not, I guess, um, what they would consider classy, I guess. I mean, because, you know, these are all well-dressed. He had a couple strikes against her when she went in. I mean, in in these people's eyes, because first of all, she comes in, they're they're calling it a, um, like, they're, they're getting together for tea, you know. And so they're all dressed in nice tea, you know, dresses for tea. And they're all, you know, very, very fancy set up in a very fancy place. And she comes in with kind of a, a like a, a tank. Saturday pack. afternoon stuff. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, basically Saturday afternoon soccer moms. Type. Kind of like, you know, she comes in with a tank top with a baby, you know, and no one seems to mind the baby so much. But, I mean, it's obvious that she's not one of them. Um, she's also kind of has the, so she's poor. She kind of looks somewhat, she kind of looks a little bit like a minority, even though there is an Asian woman in there, but, um, she, she, I'm still not convinced if she, she looks like a minority. I, I, I didn't even know she was a Latina. Yeah. And she sounds like she's Russian. She sounds like she has a Russian accent. Okay. But a see, lot of it. when I, when I, when I saw her, I thought just because of the dark hair and her skin tone was just slightly different that I, Okay, I, I just thought that maybe, and also be just because of her last name. You know, I was more thinking about her last name as well and all that. But, I mean, I'd like you said, like we were saying, that she obviously wasn't one of them. You know, she wasn't rich. She was not one of the one percenters, you know. And then during the whole thing, her baby starts crying. And so she breastfeeds the kid right in front of everybody. And everybody's just kind of staring at her like, I can't believe well, you're doing that. Except she has a look on her face too, <laughs> like thing, a very passive aggressive look. Well, the thing is, is that she you know, kind of has the. I mean, this entire a lot of this, she seems defiant. Mm-hmm. You know, like first she's like, "Oh yeah, I just want to help," and then she's just kind of like, "I'm breastfeeding my kid. F you." Or um, or say something. I dare you. Yeah, say I dare something. say something. <laughs> The one that that's actually kind to her is, is Nicole Kidman, you know, but the thing is, there are other times where she just kind of has this defiant look on her face. It's she doesn't I, help her cause. She doesn't help her cause. No, she does not help her cause. No. 
No, but I don't think she cares either. I don't think she cares to. Well, I mean, what is her cause? Uh, well, well, just to just to be liked is what like I think Phil. Yeah, yeah, that's all I. That's all I. Yeah. Meant. you know, I mean, I mean, you, you play by normal social etiquette and rules. I mean, obviously, she's from a different class than the people she's with, but she definitely doesn't um, try to fit in, and yet the the other woman. You could also argue, it depends on which perspective, right? If you look at her perspective, the elves woman, Elena, she, the other women aren't really open to her, right? So she's obviously feeling as like an outsider and, and probably somewhat disappointed and maybe even a little upset. And then for the other woman, if, the, if you were, we look at the, the wealthy woman's perspective, this woman is obviously... I mean, in other words, it was obvious that she purposely breastfed right at the table, uh, because we all know that in the news, that's a big debate now: should you breastfeed in public or or not? And and you know, there, there's a lot of folks that say it's it's fine, and other people who say, you know, you should you should do it in private. So the question is: is is did she, is she that clueless to not know the difference or did she not care? And she was just trying to be a jerk about it. She was I, I being think, antagonizing. You know, I, I think she was being antagonist, antagonistic. I, yeah. I mean, you could see the look on her face. You know, it wasn't, the yeah. it wasn't the, Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. It, you know, like it was, I think it was Phil said, it's like, I dare you to say something. Oh, you know? me. Sure. And, Oh, it was Barrett. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. But the, thing, but the thing is, yeah, Barrett, you were right. She's like, I dare you to say something. And the only person that was being nice to her after that was Nicole Kit. Well, actually, the only even before that. that. I was yeah. About, even yeah. Before, in the entire time, Nicole was the only person that was being, you know, civil to her or kind to her. You know, kind of, you know, because when she first came and says, "I want to help," and they're like, "Well, you know, like." kind of got everything done and then and, and that's probably true i mean this was probably just a wrap-up you know of the meeting but um well and i think she probably knew she was the diversity person you know yeah like yeah. we're gonna have her in here because you know we want to have one of these parents of the kids that are getting a scholarship in here being part of this you know well yeah i mean she she called in at the last i mean she volunteered it was they didn't call her it doesn't sound like it sounded like she called in and said hey you know can i help because at first she says hey i just want to help you know and well, like, one of the women actually the friend of um nicole kidman's character says that she invited her or something like oh, that she, later on okay i missed that thank you right right but yeah, the, yeah i mean after that like the, the like the following day or even that afternoon when, the, you know, they're talking on the phone. And, of course, you have the one woman with her daughter at, at ballet class, you know. And so, I mean, like a rich, well-to-do ballet class. And she's sitting there talking. Can you believe that right in front? And then she's like, oh, I wish I had those breasts. I mean, they were <laughs> of this woman's breast. It's like, oh, my goodness, they look so amazing, you know. And it was <laughs> I had to. It was kind of funny, just because it's. At first, they were almost like you know um, offended that she would do that, you know. But then she's like, "Oh man, did you see him? Wow, I wish I well, had." Well, well, that, that's the thing is that even though she was shocked and and chagrined at, at what Elena did, she can call it for what it is, which is 
the the woman's a hot looking woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, because yeah. you know you you can you can dislike a person and still know that they're smart or they're good looking or they're, you know, whatever. So, um, but it was a funny one liner. There's no doubt about it. Um, and she was just saying the obvious, right? I mean, my God, you know, any woman would want those breasts probably because they, you know, the woman is a good looking uh, woman. So, um, that was kind of funny. Uh. Now let's talk about uh, Elena at that meeting with Nicole Kidman. Um, me and my wife are watching it, and, and Nick, Elena keeps on staring over at Nicole Kidman. And uh, later on, there, there may be something up to, to it. And then even later in the, the series, as we get into it, we'll figure out even more probably. But the woman definitely. Um, was giving these weird glances to Nicole Kidman th- throughout the meeting. Yes, like a sexual yeah. attraction type of look almost. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the locker room scene later. Yeah. Right, right. and then the well, elevator scene too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing, I mean, can, can we move on to the locker room scene quickly? Yeah, because that's the next scene after yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, she has awesome breasts. Well, it's, well, it's interesting. <laughs> it, it, the, the one thing that I was thinking about it now is that this is... I, I'm kind of curious on how this this woman got into that gym, got into the gym, because I was talking about this with Phil offline was that I've been in. I was there was a in my um, what you call it, in my hometown. There was a very uh, a higher end gym that my wife and I did a uh, like a low cost or like two two week trial membership to. And as we were because we were looking at gyms that we wanted to join and this place was was nice the machines were were good i mean the the walls i mean it wasn't just painted over uh cinder blocks this was like wooden walls with glass and everything like that i mean very and in what was it the the locker room i think was uh was carpeted and the gym that the lockers were were all wooden like at least the wooden doors i mean you normally don't see that type of thing in your typical you know, gym or YMCA type place. I mean, this is higher end stuff. And so I'm kind of, I mean, I'm looking back, I'm kind of curious how she got to be a member, but I, I mean, maybe she, she just could, maybe she just happened to afford it. But, um, but well, especially she, she, in New York, I think your point is even better because, yeah. I mean, I've been part of a high end club like that and like it had a restaurant on the roof and all sorts of stuff. Right. And, but they still got people, you know, they tried to get as many people as they could in there, but there was a limited amount of spots, you know? Yeah. I mean, I knew that was a member of that gym only because he actually worked there at part time as a second, you know, as a second job. But anyway, going, going back to the locker room scene, this, the same woman, Elena, you know, Nicole Kidman does her, her uh, one-on-one with her trainer. And then she's getting, you know, which also costs a bit probably. And so she's, Mm -hmm. She's in the locker room. I don't know what she is doing because she obviously didn't get changed. And Elena comes up absolutely stark naked. And she just stands in front of her talking to her. In her personal space, I think. In her personal space. Stark <laughs> naked. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, if a guy did that to me in a locker room, I feel very uncomfortable. And I would even say, hey, guy, back up. Or at least put a towel yes. on 
You know, I mean, and it's not that, you know, it, it's just, I, I just don't feel comfortable with it. I don't, you know, and as she's talking to her and, you know, she's saying, oh, yeah, it was so nice of you to be kind to me during the meeting and all that. And then she sits down and she's kind of like leaning towards Nicole, like she's about ready to kiss her. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you're you're not subtle, are you? You know, I mean, it's just. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, if I, I, I I'm sorry, if I mean, if, if I if it was me and there was a guy doing that to me, I'd feel very uncomfortable. Well, know? well, that, that's the thing. It's a curiosity, right? I mean, the men's rooms, men's locker rooms. Uh, if there's a lot of open showers and, and stuff like that. And I'm not right. Well, I've, I've, I've been told at least, uh, from, from women friends and stuff that women's rocker rooms and showers, they have separate stalls and, and yet, you know, women are more apt to, you know, they, they not, I, I guess women are more modest in those situations while men aren't or something. And, you know, even a woman, you know, they have the strip joints and, and women, aren't modest in, in those things while, while, um, in, in the locker room they are. So I, I don't know it, it, but let's say they are supposed to be more modest based off of this, uh, this situation where they do have separate, you know, showers and whatnot. So for her to walk around naked in the locker room may be very odd because I, unfortunately you see that a lot in men's where men's are just, the guys just don't care for whatever reason. Um, though I always would wear a, a towel no matter what, but in here, if, if, if women are more modest in women's locker rooms and for her, meaning Elena to go up to Nicole Kidman that way, even if she wasn't in the personal space, but just naked like that, it must be very uncomfortable for Nicole Kidman. And, and so either Elena is clueless on, on locker room etiquette. I think she's or, or or just or just woman etiquette, or, or not woman but etiquette, but nudity etiquette, or she did it intentionally, which is what could be a couple of things, like you said, Barrett. She's very bold, yeah. Or or as you also said earlier, Barrett, um, possible um, LGBTQ attraction to Nicole Kidman's character. I think it's a little bit of all of that, you know, like she's very bold. And she has some type of attraction, and I think she wants to make Nicole Kidman feel uncomfortable. It feels that way to me. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that, the third aspect, which is... It, it makes me wonder, though, why, because if Nicole Kidman's the only one out of that entire group that's being nice to her, why would she, you know... Um, Try to, try to make her feel like if I'm trying to be somebody's friend, but whenever they're whenever I'm around them, I make them feel I purposely make them feel uncomfortable. You know that. I don't know either that or she's just playing this game that I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're nice to me or not. You're being nice to me. So therefore I can make it's kind of like I hate one percenters. So if one's nice to me, I'm going to try to make them, make them feel uncomfortable. I really don't know. I, I don't I, think that would be her. Intent. I don't I think, think the uncomfortableness would be about something about power over someone else. You know what I mean? Or yeah. well, that could knowing be. what I know about the end of the episode. I think it's linked is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. 
well, and, and we we also we can also say that that this woman knows that she's a ten, right? I mean, yeah, I mean Nicole yeah. Kidman's a ten too, but but this woman, even if she's poor or or, or lower class or, or whatever you want to say, a different social structure than Nicole Kidman's character, she has one thing Nicole Kidman's character or and all her friends have, or even better than them, is she's she's a ten. She's absolutely and she's got youth. She still has youth. Yeah. Yeah, she has youth as well. She, she appears to be much younger than the rest of them. That's true. That's that's absolutely true. Um, so you're right, though, Kevin, too, which is it, it's bizarre. Even if she wa- wants to have Nicole Kidman feel uncomfortable and because, you know, of a power thing or whatnot, you would think if she's trying to be friends with someone, right? she wouldn't want to do something that could possibly alienate them and even make them not want to associate or even be near them ever again. Uh, because you only have so many impressions before you, you it's permanent, you know, whether it becomes right. a good impression or a bad impression. But again, maybe, maybe it is more than just uncomfortableness. Maybe she is trying to do uh, a flirt, you know, and she using the one thing she knows that, um, she has that that's incredible which is a a good body but the problem is though if the person isn't an lgbtq person that she's trying to impress they're going to just think you're weird right well not weird i mean it's just i mean for example if somebody you know if a guy came on to me and i'd say you know like that i mean i've had guys come on to me before and i'm trying to explain to them you know hey no no but i don't mean that i don't mean that no no i want to to stop you there because I don't want you to think I was I was implying something that I didn't. What I meant was, if Nicole Kidman isn't a lesbian, meaning she doesn't like women, her character, right. then for this woman to use her body to try to get Nicole Kidman to become attracted to her, that and Nicole Kidman isn't a lesbian, then that would be weird. For example, if Brad Pitt came up to you naked, if you're not gay. It it's, it doesn't matter that it's Brad Pitt and that he's a ten as a man, right? Unless she's used well, to getting her way with either sex because she's so attractive. Well, I mean that was kind of my point earlier is to say, you know, if somebody was trying to come, you know, come on to me and it's like, hey, look, you know, I'm, you know, I, I don't go that way, you know, I appreciate the, you know, I appreciate the compliment here, you know, it's nice. All right, to, I see what you're you know, saying. You know, it's nice if you, you know, but it's just like, hey, you know, I'm I'm straight, I don't go that way, and. You know, or even, I mean, like I said, even if me as a straight guy and, you know, when Elena was coming out to me and say, hey, look, you know, I thank you for, you know, thinking I'm I'm attractive. But, hey, you know, I'm married and happily so, you know, right. and, and, you know, I don't want to do anything that would destroy the, my, my marriage, right. uh, you know, that sort of thing, too. So, I mean, but I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, I Carry She's on. giving oh. off so much, so many signals in that particular scene. Oh, it's yeah. really hard to know what her intent is or what she's what? trying to do accomplish. <laughs> right. And then she sits down next to Nicole. It's like, all right, you know. Oh, and she, she leans forward too. Yeah. Yeah. Sits <laughs> down and she starts leaning towards Nicole, and I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, Nicole Kidman. I'm thinking to myself. And- I mean, Nicole it's just being polite as can be, you know, right. she's not a rude person. Right. Exactly. You know, and she's like, hey, okay, you know, don't worry about it, and. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I'm, I mean, and that's obvious that she was feeling comfortable because later on, she, you know, she was talking about it to, you know, to into her husband, you know, played by Hugh Grant, 
you know, right. who finally later on refers to her as the nudist. Yeah. Right. Well, 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 and that's the thing that's interesting is that whether she was coming on or not, whether she was a woman or a man, it, it it's just weird. You don't have people unless you're unless you're in one of those, you know, Russian or Finnish baths in Europe. You usually aren't talking to people naked, right? I mean, you just don't do that, right? So you would think. Well, I mean, I've been would, in locker room. I mean, I've been in locker rooms where you know the guy. I mean, I'm I'm getting changed. The guy next to me is getting changed, and it's just. I mean, yeah, you're going to talk, you know, and I've talked to, I've, you know, talked to the guys that are next to me and all that. But, but all you that don't just thing, stop just and turn, turn to them and, and, and oh, stand no. naked, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. No, usually what we're doing is we're sitting down and we're, we're getting dressed. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there, there's something more there than just being clueless about being naked. I think we it's, can, all, we're it's almost like that. she has some experience with Nicole Kidman's character that Nicole Kidman doesn't remember, or I don't know. It, it feels strange. Yeah, yeah. So, so either either way, there, there was something up with that. It's I don't think it was just uh, cluelessness. No, I don't think so either. What about you, Kevin? You think it was it was more than just being her her being clueless and not knowing that? Oh, yeah, I guess I should put a towel on. I don't know, because um, I mean, obviously she has an accent, so it's not like uh, you know she was born in the U.S. I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is just a uh, what you call it. I mean, I don't know if this is a um, you know a cultural thing that you know she's just not aware of, or she really is. Because I mean, in some cultures, that sort of thing. I, I suppose that sort of thing happens. They. You know, for the United States and in a lot of parts of Europe, some other parts of Europe, you know, we have our personal, we have a personal space. Like, you know, you stay out of this personal space. But in a but, lot but of other you, cultures, there there really isn't a lot of personal space. That's true. And, you know, and but, so maybe she is from but, one of those cultures that, but, but, you know. Yeah, but, but, but if I can interject, because his, uh, your point is, is taken, but you would think, right, you know, if you were in a Europe, right? Or, or Japan, right? And because I know, like for example, one thing on J- in Japan, you're not supposed to eat food on a bus, right? You, you only, whenever you eat food, it has to either be at a restaurant or you have to stay near the vending machine. You're not supposed to eat it, you know, take it on the bus and start eating it, or 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 at the bus station or the train station or whatever. So I didn't know after, that. Yeah, I, I didn't either until my uh, I, I read it somewhere in, in a magazine or something. But oh no, it was actually a. Um, a woman I work with who went to Japan and she told me that story. Um, but what, what it is, is you learn that pretty quick. You learn within a week. Oh, yeah. that, you know, so, so if this woman, you assume she's been here for at least seven, eight years, right? Because her, her oldest son is eight years old. If not been there even longer, you think she would already learn by now that. So I don't know if that's a good enough excuse. Well, I mean, you could do the as the Romans do, you know what I'm saying? The same time though, it it kind of seems like no one else is. I mean, the only other person, the only other people, have really given this woman any attention is her husband and her son. Other than well, we, that, we don't. We don't. And we know it. nothing about their relationship aside from her crying in bed while laying next to him. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> we don't even know if she, well, she really, has an art studio. Right. She, has so, an art she studio. does. She has. So it's not like she's studio. locked in a room, right? No, well, but she. 
herself in an art studio, maybe. I mean, she may, you do not know what you don't know how long she's been here because, I mean, her son, I mean, you don't know how long her son has been here. Now, chances are he's been in the United States his whole life and she's the immigrant or something. I don't know. Part of me is just willing to give her, I mean, part, the part of me that's willing to give her the benefit of the doubt may be that she just has not had enough interaction with people in that, in that area that she really doesn't know. Or she does, and she's just really coming on to Nicole Kidman. You don't, you don't, you, we don't know yet. That's the thing. Right. But, but I, I'm, I'm going with the second more than the first because it sounds more, more uh, feasible because again, it, it feels the situation. It feels that way from the situation. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The situation definitely looks that way. It's just, you don't, Okay. We don't have enough information to say for sure yet. We don't have enough information to say 100% for sure. I mean, even well, the elevator scene, well. Well, we, we don't, to be honest, I mean, none of these characters we know anything about because it, it all takes place in a two-day period, the, the episode one. Right. And How all, does she have an uh, art studio, too, is the other question, if they aren't, if they don't have money. Right, right. That's a good So that's point. another question, too. Yeah, because you're going to rent that space. That's right. Sure. Which can't right. be cheap, right? And I'm assuming I'm assuming it's just her art studio. We don't know yet. It could be she's just one of those people that, you know, uh, rent, you know, like for example, if you go to a uh, a hair salon, as my my wife goes to one, and I buy gift cards there every so often for Christmas, or whatever. They're independent contractors that work there, and they just rent the space in in the the, the salon. So yeah. the the massage person, the hair, the hair person, the nail person, the waxing person, you know, on and on. Each of those persons aren't employees of the salon. They're, they're independent uh, workers that just rent spots in the salon. So maybe the art studio is like that, too. Maybe she doesn't own the art studio or even rent the, the building. She just happens to have a spot in the building. I, I don't know. You know, that's another thing we're going to probably find out next episode. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the, the whole auction scene and not the people there, uh, you know, you know, like we were before about, you know, the wealth and all that, but the individual stuff, right? We, we have the husband and, uh, Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman go, the Frasers go and her father goes as well. And we meet her father, uh, very briefly. Just very briefly, and then he gets the hell out of there because he, he, it's just a stuffy, stupid... He donated his million and left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What he did is he's like, I just bid on something and I, I, I don't want to stick around for this. Yeah. And then also when we find out, okay, this place is, you know, really, you know, nice penthouse type of place, and the owners aren't even there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and, and some of the, these people may be new money. You know, and and they may be like, oh, I can't stand these stuffy bastards. You know, like like Hugh Grant's character may be new money. I don't because you know he's just an oncologist that became brilliant and married into a wealthy family and, and made a career for himself. But we don't know if he came from poverty or not. Um, well, or Donald Sutherland's character is old. Seems like he's old money and he can't yeah. stand stuffy thing. You know, or like he's had money for quite some time and all these. And he's probably the oldest person in, in the room. And he's just like, okay, I don't have my money and I'm out of here. Cause I, you can tell he didn't want to be anywhere. He didn't want to be with any of these people either, except, you know, maybe his daughter and that, that, but it's like, Hey, I, I'm not going to just hang around my daughter, this whole thing. I, I, I'm out of here. 
Yeah, yeah. It's one thing I noticed when I was watching the show. It's kind of funny. Is that the lead actress is Australian, the lead actor is from uh, the UK, the the Elena woman is an uh, Italian actress, and Donald Sutherland is a, a Canadian. It, it's just kind of funny, and it takes place in Manhattan. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. It was it was kind of ironic. Um, anyway, uh, back to the, the actually, scenes. I have a funny story about Donald Sutherland, but I can tell you that later. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's one of those things is like people go because they some of the people go because they just love this type of stuff. You know, you know, the social events and, and the gossip and the hanging out and the party and whatever. And then there's some people that just go because they feel that they're obligated. So they just make an appearance. And Hugh Grant's character, as well as Donald Sutherland's character, are kind of like that. Sutherland just wanted to make appearance and then get the heck out. Hugh Grant didn't want to go, but, you know, he's made the appearance and he decides to stay because, you know, his wife wants to stay. And, and some of these people are actually good friends of the wife. They're, they're like real friends and not just acquaintances from the school, you know, parents from the school. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a thing that goes on all day. It's, it seems like it starts in mid afternoon. And by the time, um, uh, the, the, the thing's going to end, it's already like dark outside in, in the Manhattan skyline. So you get a beautiful look at the Manhattan skyline. Um, so the, the Elena woman shows up, and she, I think she may be the only person from the scholarship children's parents that showed up, just her, not her husband. Um, and she's looking really nice. Uh, she has a nice dress on, uh, a lot of cleavage and literally she is swamped by guys, guys. Yeah. And it's, it's makes, makes sense. I mean, I, I've been, oh, yeah. when, when I was single and I went to the bars in Boston, um, as a young guy, um, there were certain girls that always, everybody just, you know, wanted to get the phone number of, and, and she was, the, this girl here, this Elena, uh, is, is one of those women. Um, now, uh, she no, also, just, sorry, it's just one thing they, I think it was Q Grant, I think it was who mentioned it. Um, he said, you know, cause when all these guys are, are, are staring at her and talking at her, um, She's staring at Nicole. Hugh Grant said, "Yeah, she's she's been staring at you the whole time." That's right. Yeah was was it her him that said it, or was it one of her friends? I thought it was him, but it could. Yeah, have been I think so too. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, you're right. It might have been a friend. Yeah, the the friend that said Elena had the good boobs. Uh, I forget her name. I think that's Sylvia. I think that's that's the woman's name. Uh, played by Lily Ray. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. Sylvia. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. The friends, the one I recognized was kind of the one who was kind of the head of the committee, the blonde woman, because I remember yeah. her West Wing. Yeah, that's Sylvia. That's that's okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. She's the one that seems to be um, Nicole Kidman's best friend out of the group. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she most certainly is. Um. So. So yeah, yeah. So Lena's there alone but she does have a lot of attention to her. She keeps on staring over at Nicole Kidman. Everybody kind of notices it. Um, no one really goes over to talk to her though. And then, um, he, you know, that's when Hugh Grant says, is, is that, Oh, that's her. That's the, the woman you were talking about. That's the nudist. Uh, yeah. The nudist and whatever. And, and so what happens is, is the woman, and Nicole Kidman eventually has to use the facilities 
and uh, she bumps into Elena in the facilities. Right. And Elena, you could tell, is crying and such. And we don't know why. We, we don't know what's going on, right? I mean, we don't know if it's personal. We don't know if she feels out of place. We don't know anything, right? Well, I mean, she was, I mean, we saw her, you know, she's, she's lying next to her husband and it's almost like she's, she's upset about something with her husband. Um, or just and, life in general. Or just <laughs> life in general. Like she's unhappy. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, she, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, she's, you know, essentially poor or well, supposedly, you know, she can afford a gym membership and whatever, but, um, you know, she's uh, not as well off, let's just say, as the others, you know, so maybe she feels out of place there or maybe it's the, oh, I wish I had this life. Um, almost like an envy type of thing. Or maybe she's just there's just something else about her that, you know, she's really depressed about. I mean, it's obvious she's depressed about something. She was depressed. You know, you see her depressed when she was laying next to her husband. You see her depressed when she's in the bathroom. You know, and Nicole Kidman comes up and says, you know, if you're willing to talk, you know, she says, I'm willing to talk for, for free because, I mean, they all know that she's a, a, a very high class, um, you know, counselor. And she even says, you know, that that came out wrong. It's like, I'm willing to talk to you like as a friend, you know, and generally showing that, you know, hey, I care. I want to help if I can. And the woman pretty much says no, you know, and it, it, there could be some pride to that. Um, cause I mean, and, and this is the funny part. It, one thing I also remember is that they go, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant go to this party in a limo with, with a chauffeur. So, I mean, I'm wondering if they, cause she even says, oh yeah, you know, I've got a, you know, we've got a limo. I'll just, I'll let you go home in the limo and, you know, I'll just take an Uber. So, I mean, this is, I mean, they, they have money. I mean, not only do they have a nice house, but for crying out loud, they have, they have a car that they don't even, you know, somebody else drives for them. I mean, it's a good grief, you know? And then, so she says, no, I'll, I'll take the, the subway. It's a whole lot quicker. She's like, okay, fine. And then, you know, then they go in the elevator and the woman, Elena, kisses her. And yeah, that that was unexpected. Yeah, yeah even, that's, even, that's, even, that was Nicole's reaction too. Kind of like, uh, <laughs> did that? Yeah. Just... Well, well, the reason it was it was felt unexpected, even though even though there was so much things in the prior few scenes that we discussed where it kind of looked like she may be flirty, I, I didn't. I still wasn't convinced. I still was thinking maybe she, she was just clueless, but the kiss kind of made me like, you know, but, but again, though, it, you could still look at that kiss, even though it was very intimate and so, somewhat LGBTQ, it also could have been just her saying thank you for being the oh, only person very possible. that, that, yeah, that, that seems to care about my being, you know? Oh yeah, that's very possible. But it's just you kind of wonder because of the the previous interactions that they've had. You you, you wonder, you know, is that what was going on? Is that was just her just being saying, "Oh, thank you so much for, you know, being kind to me," or 
you know, did she just have a, a moment where she just kind of went for it? I really don't know. And that's probably what Nicole Kidman was trying to go through in her head, too, because, like I said, she just kind of had this uh, what just happened reaction. Yeah, yeah, because she says a couple of things. She goes, if you ever need anyone to talk to right. uh, for free, and then, then she stops herself and she says, I don't mean it that way. You know, meaning like you're, you know, poor or whatever, even though it could be interpreted that way. She comes out, at, but as a friend, right? Um, you know, please do, um, and and stuff. So, so she she generally is a good person, Nicole Kidman's character. I guess I, I think she generally wants the woman to feel comfortable and happy and and whatnot, and and even after the shocking kiss and the, you know, be, being naked in front of her and, and personal space and all that other stuff, she was still okay with, with the woman, you know, you know what I'm saying? She, she, yeah, she, she wasn't, she wasn't upset it. with her even for kissing her. I think she right. just was, why did she do that? You know? Yeah. Right. Caught her off yeah. guard. He's like, all right, okay, whatever. And she, yeah, it's like, oh, oh, all right. And then she just moved on. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that, it, it was a very curio- curious thing. And the thing is, is that she doesn't mention any of this to her husband. But but again, oh, yeah, actually, it doesn't matter, right? Because her husband had already left the party. Right. Oh, no, 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 no. Her husband was still there. And the husband asked, what was that all about? And yeah. she said, "Oh, uh, she seemed upset, and I, I was, uh, and she wanted to go home, and and so I just offered that she could take our limo." And it seems like a good while later when he comes back to her and says, "I have to go," because now it's nighttime, like late, late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right because she left. Elena left when it was still daylight. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. And so, so then the husband says she has to leave because one of his patients. And it's uh, specifically the one from Nicole Kidman's perspective, as you said, Barrett, um, go ha, goes to for the worst in her, in the, her medical condition of of like leukemia or something of that nature. Um, and he has to in her lungs or, or lungs or something something to do with the cancer. lungs fill up. Yeah, the her lungs, lungs filling up. up with yeah, and he wanted to obviously be there for the family or whatnot. Similar to, oddly to, uh, the Tom Cruise character in Eyes Wide Shut, if you ever saw that, where <laughs> the yeah. doctor says, I have to go just to show my face, you know, because I'm the doctor, not not necessarily because I can do anything. And and so, he, yeah, so he has to leave, and, and she lets him go, and she says that she'll just stay uh, if, if that's okay. You know, her friends are there and whatnot, and he says, sure. Um now, when when the husband has to go to Cleveland for a day, maybe two days, depending on how long his his convention meeting goes, was it that day? Did he leave that night, or did, was it the next the morning? next the next day. morning? Because he climbs into bed with her and he cries, right? Because oh, girl, right, because the girl passed. Yeah, his patient. At died. least that's what he says. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Right, and so he leaves in the morning and takes off to Cleveland um, for like, like a, uh, again a medical convention type thing or, or, or meeting or, or something um, and 
Nicole Kidman's in therapy session with, with the this is with the during the gay couple scene, and they 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 get pissed because the phone beeps her phone beeps while they're in session, right? And she says and she apologizes, but she says that this phone beeps whenever there's an emergency or something related to my son at school, and. So I felt that was legitimate, but they kind of yeah. felt like they're like, this is my time, you know, but whatever. Well, I can understand that. I mean, you're getting paid and then, all, you know, you're kind of going through all this. And then all of a sudden, you know, the phone, the phone calls. And I mean, you know, you're paying for this. You're paying a lot of money for this. And also there's already a lot of emotion going on right now just because of, um, well, the subject. You yeah, know, you have a you have a couple, a married couple with one of them cheating on the other. And it's right. interesting. I have to admit, it's interesting that um, that they were still together. That, you right. know, and it was like they were there. Both of them were there just because they wanted to work through it. You know, it wasn't the you know, I caught you cheating that's it. We're done. It's, you know, it's like you got, I caught you cheating. Let's try to work through this. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Either way. Um, I just thought it was interesting. She just checked the, the, the message, saw that it wasn't directly related to her son. And so was able to continue the, the conversation with the, with the folks. Right. Um, and, and that's when we find out that, the guy was cheating on his spouse and he was doing it intentionally to get caught for some reason, because, and, and, uh, again, it's, it was basically, uh, a family that's malfunctioning <laughs> a couple basically. Um, so we find out, this is when we find out, I guess the big twist of the, the episode, right? Yeah. Which is, um, she gets a call from, her best friend again, Sylvia. And Sylvia says, have you heard what happened? And, and yeah, Elena, they find out is dead. And at first we're not sure what, but then, then it slowly comes around that it may have been murdered. And oddly Sylvia, you know, everybody was like, Oh gee, that's terrible. Whatever. But, but it, it was interesting. No one was like massively depressed about it. I, I thought no. it was interesting. No. Well, here, so I just want to say that, you know, we're coming up on the murder here, and I hate how the first episode opens with, you know, the kid coming into that place, and then it goes, whatever amount of time earlier, that wasn't right. really needed. They could have had that scene tacked it to this point. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. I hate when stuff does that for no reason other than, I don't know, you just didn't need it, I don't think, at the beginning. No, you didn't. You're, you're right there. Yeah, and that, that that's a fair point. Uh, a lot of movies and shows do that, where they do this exciting, like two minute uh, scene before the credits to really like get you salivating that this is going to be some sort of mystery or thriller or horror film or action film or whatever, and then they come back to it or they catch up to it later, and sure enough, that's what they did here, right? And and fortunately, I got to say, at least this one here they didn't like show a murder or show agreed. They just show his response to it. 
Yeah, right. and, and 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 it's of a person that we don't even know who it is, right? It's it's right. basically Elena's son, and we're not even introduced to him in the rest of the show until after the murder. So I felt that was the only positive thing about having that scene is it didn't give away that much. Yep. But it was like, yeah, I agree though, uh, Barrett, a lot of shows and movies do that for whatever. It's way reason. overused. And so every time I see it, I'm like, Oh God, we got a flashback now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not a fan of the flashback. Yeah, right, because it goes two days earlier, you know, the placard <laughs> pops up, and, and there we go. Yeah, so, so that's how we know the whole episode is really just two days, um, two and a half days, anyway. Um, so what happens is um, uh, the cops um, begin interviewing all the the people that may have know who the woman is, so people at the school, uh, fellow mothers uh, of students, Teachers, you know, various other people. So the only people they really show uh, on screen are the characters that we've been kind of introduced to. So Sylvia and some of uh, the other mothers that were part of the um, auction committee. And then she starts walking to uh, walking down the street from work to home to check, you know, meet up with her son. And she calls her husband and leaves a voicemail saying. Uh, yeah, something really bad happened at school. Don't worry, it's not related to our son, but um, you know, I want to tell you about it. And then the cops catch her on the street because they were obviously waiting in front of her her home uh, to interview her too next. And um, so they yeah, grill so her hard. I, it's it's very interesting because you're wondering why they're grilling her so hard, especially when they start asking about her husband. Well, and I, I felt she Which was... Which I find curious. I, I felt she was acting a little odd, too, when she was answering questions. Like, she would answer, like, oh, no, my, my husband wouldn't know her. Oh, no, no, my son wouldn't know her. Yeah, you know, in other, words, in other words, she was, like, almost being evasive. Yeah, Which was yeah. kind of odd. And, and you know, there's, two, there's two, two ways you can do it. One, one is you, you just say nothing and say... Uh, I, I don't. I have nothing to say to you people because you can't. You can't trust police officers and 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 a secret service and FBI's or any of those people in a sense because if whatever you say to them can be used against you. So if they're trying to um, trick you or make you say something that is false, even if it was unintentional, they they can then arrest you. So a lot of people nowadays. Um, try to say yeah, never never um, comment to an FBI agent or, or police or whatever unless you have a lawyer with you. Um, and that's one way to go. And the other way to go is just to, if you're innocent, you know, just say everything and whatnot. But she was acting kind of in the middle, I felt. Yeah. Oh, I agree. She was, but they were, they started off grilling her pretty hard, I think. I don't, I, they didn't yeah. seem to be like casually asking questions they were like asking some serious questions and they wanted answers actually that's a good point yeah they they were kind of purposely put her off guard and purposely were kind of uh to her so so both sides of that i think were a little interesting you know they they both were acting out of well our knowledge level of what we know they might know more like the cops might have some evidence that we don't know about 
And that might be why they're questioning her that way, but we don't know about it. So we don't have any reason to understand why they're doing that if they're doing right. it for a reason. Well, and, and they, they did, you know, they did show her them interviewing Sylvia and, and, and they weren't that way with Sylvia, but they were with yeah. Nicole's character. So, so that's exactly. So they, yeah. 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 And that's another thing. Right. Right. We're looking through this, through, uh, um, Grace's perspective, uh, which is Nicole Kidman's character's perspective, and not the police officer's perspective. And as you just said, Barrett, the police officers may have a whole bunch of stuff that when they interview people, they usually don't tell you that they have that stuff. And so that could be part of it, too. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, actually, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I did notice that they were they were grilling her. I didn't know if they were really grilling her that hard or she just kind of took it as they were grilling her hard. Maybe she just, maybe she was because of their, uh, because of her experiences with Elena, that's very different than everybody else that she was afraid that if she said anything that, Oh yeah, Elena tried to you know come on to me, then they would kind of look at her as a, a possible suspect. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's another possibility. Yeah, from, no, from her from her perspective. From her perspective, she just didn't want us to be seen as a, as a suspect, so she kind of she didn't really maybe even she felt a little you know weird about it. So she's like, hey, you know, I I she was afraid to even talk about it, um, you know. But I mean, that the cops were. I, it's funny because I'm, I'm I'm trying to I mean I'm listening to police officers and they at first they sounded like hey you know we're just curious and the thing is is that most of the time as they're talking they they did seem to ask questions but they didn't really seem to be in my opinion I don't think they were grilling her very much but I think maybe because of Nicole Kidman's reaction maybe they decided to kind of pursue some of this questioning a little bit because they're maybe they're thinking why is she acting the way she is like what because i mean it was obvious that nicole kidman had something to hide and so the question what so the question really is for them could have been does she have something to hide what is it maybe we should talk to her a little bit more instead of just the instead of just everybody else that was saying Oh yeah, I just talked to the cops. They just, you know, they just said, they just asked me a couple questions. And they left, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, um, she may feel like the whole thing is out of place. Obviously, it makes sense that they would ask people questions, and eventually they were going to come to her anyway because, you know, all they had to do was talk to one person from right. the from the committee. And then they get the names of everybody on that committee, and Nicole Kidman's character Grace would be listed as one of those characters on on the committee. So they were going to eventually come to her next, or, or eventually some, well, if not next, you know, in in the list. Right. Um, but Nicole Kidman may not know that, and and also some some characters are just always nervous around police, right? They could be as innocent yep. as impossible, and they just right. like are intimidated because here this is people that can arrest me. These are people that can shoot me. These are people that are asking me questions about something that I had nothing to do with. But we yes. wouldn't have false confessions if there weren't people that felt nervous about police. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exa exactly, exactly. And and so so yeah, so she could she could most certainly just be wicked nervous. Um, 
and have nothing to do with with her uh you know anything anything else you know um and and it has to be that because what why else would she say oh no no my son has nothing to do with it or, oh no no my husband has nothing to do with it because we already know pretty much two and a half days that we've been following her character she was kind of friendly with elena didn't really associate with her out of out of school events so why why would she feel um you know guilty of anything so exactly. it has, yeah so it has to be be nervousness and and that's about it um well and you know, you're talking about the son i mean she i mean the whole thing about do you think your son knows her knows the you know newer or knows the actually they're, they're more asking if uh this if her son knew the victim's son you know and she pretty much said i mean she just kind of she sat there thought and said no they're they're in separate grades so i don't think so but it's a small school well yeah but I, I just don't think they knew each. I mean, I never heard him talk about her, you know. So I mean, he was. I mean, she was for the most part being cooperative. I mean, as far right. as I can tell. Yeah, I yeah. just and, felt. And, I felt like they they felt antagonistic to me from the get go. That's just right. my. Oh, that's very well, possible. Well, I'll give you a perfect example, which is what Kevin just mentioned, which is they asked, the question was uh, to Grace. The cop goes, uh, "Do you think your son uh, knows?" Uh, Elena's son, and she says, "No, I don't think so. They're, they're from different grades." And then, you know, they they don't instead of just noting it, they immediately attack her. Say, "Do you really, you know, basically?" I'm mean, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but basically, do you really believe that because it's such a small school? You know, it, it almost yeah. sounded like like they were like doubting her. You know, and and that's weird too because the son does show up. He comes home. And they could have just asked him right there, right? So yeah. I don't I don't know why they were acting that way unless they're trying to get something from her or, or they think she knows something or something. I mean, maybe maybe they think she knows something. Maybe they have something, and we're going to find this out in episode two, that she... She doesn't know anything, but they don't know that. But they think she knows something. But who knows? Um, all right, so let's let's uh, talk about. Um, uh, th- yeah, and I think this is the scene when when she talks to her son about the dog and her husband, right? Isn't that right? No, that ha- I think oh, that, that was at the beginning. Earlier. Yeah, that happened earlier. But now we get to the point where she finds that cell phone. Now, I'm not sure. Is that an extra cell phone or is it his cell phone that he left at home? That's what I thought, because it had calls from her, right? Well, wait, how she found it was she was ringing for her husband and all of a sudden she heard the beep, beep, beep. And she's like, wait a minute, what's that? You know, and then she kind of went around and then she found, you know, she dug through. You know, she, for, she keeps on calling the number and follows the sound, and then she figures it out. It's like in the nightstand. The right. sounds so, come from the nightstand. Barry so he doesn't it. even have his phone, <laughs> right. which it's is right. bizarre as well. Right. It's buried in the nightstand. I mean, yeah. buried in the nightstand, not just, you know, he just put it in the drawer. I mean, he, he had it under a whole bunch of things. Right, right. Yeah, so that was odd. Whether, whether or not um, it was intentionally left under... Or not, but but you would think, how would it get all the way to the bottom, right? So that's well, a fair and point. wouldn't the cops be going to look at his phone if they think that he might be, you know, a suspect? 
And then the phone would show as having been at the house the whole time. Did he ever really leave? Did he go somewhere? We don't know where he is. And then that's right, when she right. tries to call the hotel and she finds another guy by the same exact name, but it's not her husband. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's too. Not oh, like yeah. it, I mean, it's not like his name is. It's was, not uncommon. No, no, no. Yeah. That's, I wasn't. That's not what I'm intimating. Yeah. No, I'm just saying she finds somebody, but it's not her, her husband. Right. They just have the same name. Right. Exactly. Because she's, she's freaking right. out. Now, John is a pretty common first name. And, and, and Frazier, Frazier is right. Even if it's not like like Smith or, or something like that, it's still a fairly common name. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So she basically calls like every hotel in Cleveland. Well, she's, and, all of the Mary. I think it was the Marriott or the, it was the Hyatt. Hyatt. Yeah. Hyatt. He mentioned he had Hyatt points. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so she called all the Hyatts. Yeah, and. And so, as you as you can figure, you know, eventually, you you do three to four Hyatts, maybe in the city itself. Then you have to go ten miles outside the city to the next Hyatt, and so on and so forth. And eventually, she gets a hold of a Jonathan, and Jonathan Frazier, but it's not her husband. And it was picked up by a woman. So you think, oh my God, he's having an affair. But then, when the woman gives the phone to this Jonathan Frazier, it's not. Jonathan Frazier, the Hugh Grant. It's not the British accent. It's you know, it's just some some Midwestern guy saying, "Yeah, who is this? What, what can I do for you?" You know, and um, and so yeah. It, well, that's the thing is that the the weird thing is he hasn't contacted. Even if he didn't, even let's say he purposely he mistakenly left the phone, or even purposely left the phone, that the cops can trace it. But that doesn't mean he was he was at home, right? So the cops. Right. Made, you know, so because you don't have to carry a cell phone, you know, you can go places and not. Well, if you're anything. going to commit a crime, it's probably good not to carry your cell phone. Right. <laughs> Especially. Oh. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So you're assuming that 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 he he could be. Well, uh, it's going to make it look that way, isn't trip. it? I don't know yeah. that he is. It's gonna it's gonna yeah. look suspicious, and she's gonna right. look suspicious because the phone is there. So right. they're gonna think well, that she knows where he is. Yeah, yeah, but 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 this is this is the weird thing. If if he's a perp. He's he's definitely the worst perp ever, and I'll tell you why. Not because of any yes. no, no, not because of what you're saying, but because because why would you leave your phone at home and bury it, and then head to Cleveland or wherever you went, and then for a whole day not call home once? In, in other words, you, because you would say, "Oh shit, I forgot my cell phone." Uh, and, you know, you call the wife and say, "Hey, honey, I left my phone," uh, or "Hey, honey, I, I don't know where my cell phone is. Um, I thought I had it with me. I'm in Cleveland, you know, whatever." So he he doesn't do any of that, and she can't find him at the hotel, right? So and she tried all the Hyatt. So what? What? The, the same what, time, though, the how do you know he's at the same time? Though, how do you know? He's a Cleveland because she doesn't have a ticket because she doesn't have a ticket. She has no record. I mean, she's just taking his word for it. Right. Which I mean, that makes I mean, in many ways, I mean, you have to say, you know, that makes sense because, you know, I mean, why would I mean for her? I mean, why would he lie? Well, and the best part, the best part is that everything before this, everything that comes before this makes you think he is a really good character. Right. Exactly. So it's really so, hard when you get this reveal to to understand what the heck is going on. <laughs> right. Unless. Uh, all right. All right. So there, there's two things. 
you can look at. One is he's been kidnapped or he's dead too or, or something. Yeah. And the other thing is is he murdered Elena and when she if we want to beat around the bush and just talk talk where where the show's probably going. He murdered Elena or or at least he's going to be charged or or is a suspect for her murder. And when he spoke to her uh spoke to uh his her his wife Grace at the auction, he says, "Oh, that's her." Meaning he knew Elena. Or maybe, maybe Nicole Elena, killed, Kidman killed them both. I don't think so because she, <laughs> they would they wouldn't have had that scene where she was shocked that he, you know about this fine in the cell phone. So maybe she's um, a split personality. Think, <laughs> well, that's possible too. But but if if we don't go to the the typical tropes of of <laughs> midnight movies and, and we go more regular drama thriller type stuff, I'm thinking is is that she meaning Elena actually was having an affair either having an affair with with uh what's his name uh jonathan and that's why she was crying because she sees jonathan actually with his wife mm-hmm. or uh right and 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 then she called you know texted him or called him and threatened that she was gonna you know spill the beans and though he so he went over there and killed her or he had an affair with her, and he just had bad luck, and she got murdered because she's a good-looking woman. And, and eventually someone must, at the party or on the street, saw her and, and attacked her. And then he's now caught into the middle because he's the one that was having an affair of a murdered woman. And then another thing, to, uh, option two, is is that she um, he's actually some sort of psycho, and he thought she was pretty hot, and he followed her home. Or, or to the studio, and he murdered her as well. That's, a, that's another possibility, that there was no affair, and he's just a psycho. Well, then it wouldn't explain uh, much of her behavior, her weird behavior yeah, towards Nicole yeah, Kidman. That's my, that's my only issue with that. But her behavior with Nicole Kidman is so weird anyway, I just don't know how to put that into perspective of him and her. Right. That's like her being point. upset yeah. at the party would have made sense to me if that was the case, like they were having an affair. But everything that comes before it doesn't really make sense to me unless she's just trying to approach the wife and get close to the wife or something. Right. So, see, this is what I, I, I thought when I first watched the show and, and you know, an hour later. I, I figured that he was either kidnapped or, or had an accident or was attacked or something, and he's not guilty. Because, again, his character was too nice of a guy the whole time. But as I'm going further away from it, I'm thinking that he may have been having an affair with this woman. And whether she he's responsible for the murder or not, he's going to be a target by the cops because he they, they're going to find out that he had an affair with her. And so when they were interviewing Kidman, they were being harsh to her and making her feel uncomfortable because they wanted to see if she also either knew about the affair or had something to do with the cover-up of a murder. Or or, or, or not a cover-up of the murder, but a cover-up of who did the murder, meaning her husband. 
but that's that's where I'm I'm thinking that's that's what I, I could take out of it possibly too. What, what about you, Kevin? What do you think? What, what do you think is going on with the, with all this? The husband, the the phone, and and all that stuff. Well, I mean, the the my your, one's initial um, reaction is okay. He's lying to her. He's not in Cleveland. Maybe he's having an affair with somebody. Um, you know, we don't know, but then I'm also wondering, you know, with, with TV shows, there's, especially now there's usually a twist. So I mean, what's the twist now? And I'm just kind of wondering that, was it that he, um, he was having an affair with Elena and excuse me, and somehow that they, you know, out of just weird coincidence, that Elena now meets the wife of the guy that, she, you know, that she's having an affair with, um, you know, because she's staring at Nicole. But, I mean, Hugh Grant is standing next to her the entire time. So she could have been staring at Hugh Grant or she, she could have been staring at Hugh Grant just mm-hmm. um, saying kind of like, oh, you know, they're together that you know but at the same time why would you know why would she be reacting all you know all kind of flirtatious with nicole kidman but you know maybe that's just how she goes i don't know i she the the thing is is that elaine is kind of a mysterious character you don't know much about her you don't know what her background is you don't know why she was crying was she crying because she thought that you know, Hugh Grant, the guy that she's having that, you know, that she may be having an affair with is actually married and there's no way that he's going to leave. But then why would she be reacting to Nicole Kidman the way she does? I mean, I, I really don't know. It's almost like you have to. I, and then the thing is, is that, you know, he, you know, Grant says, you know, well, I have to leave early. Somebody has. You know, somebody, you know, somebody's lugs are filled. But the thing is, how do you know that's the case? Because you never actually see the page. You never actually see the message. Mm-hmm. You just see him checking. You hear a beep, beep, beep. You hear, see him checking something. And you said, OK, well, I got to go. You know, of course, at the same time, though, if if he's. um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think about if I were in his shoes, because I mean, how do I know that if I leave that this woman wouldn't go, this woman wouldn't come up to my wife and say, oh, I've been having an affair with your husband. You know, he would want to be there to make sure that she would not tell him. And then if she did try to say something, all he has to do is in front of a group of people who would believe them way more than they would believe her he'd say you're out of your mind what are you talking about i never met you until today and everybody be like oh yeah you know you're just some you know crazy poor person you know so you know it's just a lot of a lot of a lot of scenarios in my head that i'm just trying to trying to figure out yeah we don't have nearly enough information yet but it definitely puts a lot into your head for thought yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, I, you don't know. I mean, obviously, there's some sort of. There's some I mean, there, it, so like I said, we, we don't know if he's um, 
<clears throat> excuse me, we don't know if he's if uh, he, if he's gone. I mean, you don't know if he's uh, in in Cleveland or not. Um, I mean, why on earth would anybody want to go to Cleveland? You know, just for I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. For for those of us who live in Cleveland, you know, just kidding. I live in St. Louis. I get it. Um, <laughs> but the whole, I mean, the whole thing is, is that how, I mean, how do you know that, uh, um, and how do you know he left? You know, I mean, that's, I mean, how do you know he left for Cleveland? How do you know he, he left? How do you, or if he did leave, did he go to Cleveland? I mean, it's all, it's all weird. I mean, it's kind of hard to really say you know it's it's just it, it's hard to we don't have enough information so we don't know what's going really going on but i can't wait to see <laughs> oh yeah me too i mean it just it's just things like that they're just like oh crap now i'm really getting to this show i really didn't want to i had other things i have to do but i want to I, I did get into this show yeah i'm, I'm uh, actually uh, looking forward to uh uh, the next episode on on Sunday, so it's uh, oh, it's actually was 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 a pretty pretty solid uh, first episode. I don't know how the yeah. next five will be, but um, first off, anything that Nicole Kidman's in is usually pretty rock solid, even if if uh, just because of her, um, she's just a great actress, um, and so that that will hold together even if it does fall apart later. But so far. Um, I think it's it's yeah rock solid stuff. Um, one thing about Nicole Kidman, she's fifty three and she is not aged at all. She's still looking like she's a spry twenty eight year old, kind of sort of. I I, I wouldn't go twenty eight. Let me phrase. She she still aged looks very well. She still looks. She's very attractive still. She has aged very well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Um, and I think she's uh, with her natural hair hair color in this this show, the the red or auburn, I should say. Um, all right, so uh, I guess we can give our final thoughts on the episode, and then uh, we'll uh, uh, just well, actually, before we give our final thoughts, well, let me say see what's going on for next week. So next week, uh, the episode is. This one actually was called The Undoing, so it was just called The Undoing, uh, which kind of makes sense. I mean, undoing as in her perfect life is now a little chaotic. Um, next episode is The Missing, uh, which makes sense because it's something to do with her husband, most likely. Um, and same director, same uh, sh- uh, showrunner, same written by, and the written by is David Kelly, so the showrunner is the writer. Uh, that's November 1st, 2020, so that'll be the day after Halloween. Uh, the first episode actually didn't do too well with viewership. Uh, only 676,000 people watched the, the show, um, and that, that was meaning when it was live or started it uh, through streaming during that hour that it was live. Uh, and that's pretty low, which was kind of surprising for Isn't both. Isn't that the similar to Lovecraft Country, though? Similar numbers? Yeah, yeah, but, but there's, a, there's a difference between that I love crafting this and that is David E. Kelly uh, with his uh, uh, big little lies 
Yeah, with, that, which was good. Yeah, yeah. So he has he has a a fan base built on that. Never mind Nicole Kidman who was in that show as well. So you figure this would have got a little more, but yeah, yeah, maybe maybe this is the standard way to, like you said, because you know the, the debut episode of Lovecraft Country was kind of the same, right? And that had kind of a built-in audience just because of the name Lovecraft. People would that's the reason why we all went and, and decided to watch it was because the word Lovecraft, the name, the author. Um, and so here you got Kelly and and, Simps and uh, Nicole, Nicole um, Kidman. And and you figure that would have brought people in too, but no, it was similar to, to Lovecraft Country. So I don't know. That's a good question. How 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 to rate in the next few episodes? Um, one quick note: I did read that. Um, so the little opening "Dream a Little Dream" is actually sung by Kidman herself with an assist from her husband Keith Urban. Oh wow! Yeah, that's right. I, I did hear. I did read that too. I didn't know Keith was, was involved, but it definitely makes sense because he, he's a hell of a musician. And and why not bring your husband in if he, if he's he, he's a you know, famous musician. And one other thing that I did notice, and I think I haven't mentioned it to you, is that they um, they play a lot of the same. They play Vivaldi's uh, Four Seasons Winter. Like the winter portion of the four seasons. I don't know if that has any relevance or if it's just. Uh, I wonder if they would play other pieces in different episodes. I don't know. Because, I mean, like, I mean, this was. I, I don't know if it was wintertime or not, but I, I mean, I thought I saw snow on the ground, but it, but I don't know. Because the thing is, is that, like I said, they were playing the same. I mean, they played Vivaldi's Winter at least twice, maybe three times. <laughs> if Christy was here, she would say, oh, it's a three-beat. Um, but, and I, I'm, I'm just trying to think, because, I mean, it, it's not, they they played it, what sounds like the same clip. It, I mean, I'm, try, I'm, so I'm sitting there thinking, is there a reason why they played the same portion of Vivaldi's Winter or no? And I mean, and I know this because I, I, like I was mentioning to Phil, Antonio Vivaldi is one of my favorite composers. Um, I, I really like classical music, and uh, even though, well, Vivaldi technically isn't classical music; he's uh, Baroque. He's Baroque. He's Baroque. He's Baroque, like uh, um, Bach. Well, actually, actually, that's that's classical because there's Baroque. And then there's the Romance period, and so but so no classical is its own period. That's like Mozart, Haydn, uh, Beethoven. They were classical musicians, and uh, uh, Beethoven and or, I'm sorry, uh, Bach and Vivaldi, and oh, I forgot the other guy's name, not Bird, but somebody anyway, somebody else was uh, before that. So the yeah. or classical yeah. period was Baroque. But anyway, uh, here it is, uh, uh, Vivaldi. Uh, born in Venice, the capital of the Venetian Republic, he is regarded as one of the greatest Baroque composers, and his influence during his lifetime was widespread across Europe. I saw his house. Yeah, my father did, too. My parents in did, Venice, too. They also saw Rosini, too. They saw Rosini. Yeah. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, yeah. You're, and you're so... Right. But yeah, you're right. There was uh, a lot, a lot of... Uh, Telemann. Telemann. He was a Baroque. Telemann. But I mean, going back to the whole thing, I'm just wondering why they played that piece of Vivaldi a couple of times. 
That's just something right. I noticed. I don't know if there's significance behind it or if it's just, hey, this is a tune that everybody knows. No, I think there's uh, probably significance oh, behind oh. it. Usually hey, there hey, is. Hayden. Hayden. Wasn't he? he Hayden. No, Hayden was. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he was. Wasn't he a. Cont- oh, Handel. It was Handel. Handel was. Yes, Handel yeah. was Baroque, but yeah, because Haydn was a contemporary of Mozart. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think they were friends. Yeah, Albin and Neone. Yeah, I think they were probably friends, yeah. Anyway. And, you know who was the most popular? Telemann was the most popular, but he slowly became uh, fallen out of favor as critiques over the years. It's kind of interesting. But anyway, I'm sorry. But the, but the point is that Vivaldi was the one who was played. Vivaldi's Winter was played. And I'm yeah. curious as to why. Right, right. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Well, it's 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 pretty music. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, Purcell. Don't forget him. Purcell. That's not Whatever. I mean, I'm just. It's <laughs> irrelevant. It's yeah. irrelevant. Right, right, right. Sorry, I, I go on those sidetracks when we start talking about interesting. I do too. I do too. But the <laughs> thing is, is that I'm trying to stay back. I mean. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know why Vivaldi was played. Um, that that's. A curiosity. I mean, it's free. The music's free, basically. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just find it on YouTube, and, and you don't have to pay money because it's you don't know who who is the who is the actual performer. So music that you can do that too. What's that again? There's a lot of music you can do that right, too. So right. Why choose that one in particular? It's a good point. I don't know. Uh, oh, because of the seasons change. Maybe maybe her life is going to change. So this is like a vague. Uh, wink and symbolism of of change, right? I mean, it could be the winter of her of her marriage. Yeah, like the, the winter of her marriage, or I mean, winter in many cases symbolizes death. Okay, how about this one? Winter symbolizes death. All right, yep. and of obviously somebody died. Right. I hope it's not that simple. But there's one ex. There is one. There is there. There is an explanation right there that, that it winter is death. The woman dies. Right. Voila. Well, yeah. and her and her her meaning Nicole Kidman's character, Grace's character, her happiness is about to die. Well, it's yeah, about, her, it's about to go into a dark winter. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and so because I mean, it's also I mean, the season is also winter. Um. Because it's obvious as they're walking around, you see some snow on the ground, but you see a lot of people in, I mean, this is New York City. Now, granted, I'm from upstate New York and, you know, Philly are in uh, the Northeast. So, you know, the, the weather is relatively similar. And, you know, in the wintertime, it's and Barrett's cold. originally from Buffalo, right, Barrett? You're originally from Buffalo? Yep. Okay, so yeah, we're we're you know two upstate New upstate we're, New Yorkers. Everybody's from the Northeast here. Yeah, we're yeah. all from the Northeast, so <laughs> you, including two up, it's, you know, including two upstate New Yorkers. If Eric was here, it'd be three. Um, and so we all know that New York and the Northeast is cold. Uh, yep. So anyway, so my, my my point is is that every time anybody is going out somewhere, they are bundled up. I mean, Hugh Grant is outside with an overcoat and a scarf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, this is this is the beginning of the school year rather than the end of the school year, I think. Right. So this is this is probably like, well, I don't even know if it's beginning. It could be like November. Right. That's what I was yeah. thinking. More like November. Yeah. Like they've, the school season has started. They're just getting into getting towards winter. And oh, and there, there is snow on the ground. 
Yeah, because they show the flashback scene, not the flashback scene, but the scene when when Sylvia says she's about Elena. She's so weird. She drops off her child and she sits on the bench across from the school and just sits there and does nothing. Oh, how can New Yorkers who do that? Who does that? Yeah, yeah who, does who does that? that who doesn't at least read? Yeah, well, they not only that, but it's like you, you but, got, It's like she says in New York, you got to be busy doing something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and my point about that scene, though, besides that, that humorous thing about what a New Yorker is, is that they're still on the ground. Right. So it could be, yeah, it could even be January, right? I mean, well, because we the thing is, in, I mean, in New York, when I was growing up, the first real snow that hit, the first snow that really stuck was usually around Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. And then, which is kind of continue, uh, it usually kind of went away, but then. Yeah, uh, but the real snow is, is like. Late December, right? Yeah. Late, I mean, usually, well, to, to mid, to late, mid to late December, all the way, depending on how temperamental Mother Nature is until March. Um, sure. and, and so I'm thinking now, based off of, because I have it on in the background playing, there, yeah, there, there's snow everywhere, not everywhere. But, I mean, snow's everywhere, but it's, it's, it's just like, you know, little piles of it here but and there. Obviously, the winter season. Yeah, so, so it could be the the first q1 of of the year so yeah so it could be anywhere between december to to march okay so because well obviously the next episode is not we're not going into another season i mean obviously a lot of this is going to be taking place all in winter within a short period of time so i mean chances are that the reason why vivaldi's winter is is that somebody's dead and that's yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, no, and then and so maybe I mean if if Christy has a as as if Christy if you're listening and if you have a better idea, I'm all ears. Sure, sure, and yeah, Christy is a one of the co-hosts of uh, another podcast on the network, actually titled after the network, Dark Discussions Podcast. Um, all right, so let's give our final thoughts of the episode, uh, or and. Uh, if there's anything else that you wanted to bring up as you're giving your final thoughts that we may have missed, uh, please do. So uh, let's start with you, Barrett. Um, again, I really like this episode. Uh, there's a lot of buildup and character development uh, that really makes the end of the episode have a lot of impact, whereas some other shows that I've seen don't handle it nearly as well. And the acting is impeccable and... I mean, we're, it's it's more of a drama, so you're not really getting into the filmography and how good that is. But, you know, that that's all fine as well. Um, but I really enjoyed the episode. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And we've got a lot of questions, and I'm curious to see how they get answered. All right, very good. Yeah, uh, for me, yeah, I'm actually uh, enjoying the, the, the first season. I mean, the first episode for sure. I mean, uh, it's a really good show. Um Nicole Kidman is rock solid as always. The, the the rest of the cast is pretty solid too. Um, it's it's got a interesting mystery that's that's gonna uh, come up for sure based off of what we've seen. Um, obviously, some nice eye candy if you're uh, heterosexual, um, and uh, it's well produced and and uh, well made for sure. So. Uh, yeah, big thumbs up for me so far, uh, episode one. Uh, and uh, let's go with you, Kevin. Um, yes, it is a good episode. Um, like I said, I like the how they introduce us to the at least two main characters. 
um, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. They introduce them very well, give us at least uh, a, a, a first impression. And then it carts at the end, you know, we kind of leave our heads scratching about what's going on with Hugh Grant, you know, because, I mean, if he's hiding his phone, obviously chances are he's up to some some sort of no good because uh, if he was doing something good he would probably tell his wife you know not because he wants a pat on the back but he's just saying hey look i'm gonna do this and um you know so i'm gonna be gone for a couple of days um kind of a funny thing i was telling you about donald sutherland is my um i know uh my sister-in-law used to be a uh, a manager at a at a store in atlanta <clears throat> and donald sutherland came into the store asked to use the bathroom and the woman behind the counter said oh, i'm sorry you know we we don't allow people because i mean it's it's not a public bathroom so i said i'm sorry sir you know we can't you know allow you to you know, use our bathroom, you know, for, for the public. And he says, Oh, okay, that's cool. And then somebody comes up and says, do you realize who, who that was? It's like, no, who was it? That, that was Donald Sutherland, the actor, like the veteran actor. It's like, really? He kind of looked like Santa Claus. Um, but then later on he came, I mean, he found a place to use the bathroom, came back to Williamson, Nolan and bought a few things. So I thought that was kind of, kind of a humorous, uh, did, did he come back the same day? Yeah, I came back that afternoon, you know, came back that same day. I mean, did, did she apologize to him after? Uh, probably said, sorry, sir. I didn't know he's he probably, I think he just, he sounded just really relaxed about it. It's like, hey, you know, you got your, you got your company policy. That's cool. You know, and he, and he, like I said, he bought a few things. You know, if he was really offended, he would not have come back into the store and he wouldn't have bought a few things. He would have just said, fine, and leave and never come back. But in this case, he came back because he understood that, hey, you know, the bathrooms aren't used uh, for the for the general public, so so I just found it funny. I said, you know, he looked like Santa Claus. And the thing is, is that I've seen if you saw him in, uh, I think it was the the in, in Fright Night or not Fright Night. Good grief, no, uh, Salem's Lot, the uh, the remake of Salem's Lot. He was um, Straker, and he had the That's wild right. hair, the white the, the white beard and mustache. So it's one of those. Yeah, he does look a little bit like Santa Claus, a little bit of an insane Santa Claus, but definitely a little <laughs> bit of Santa Claus. Um, yeah, because <laughs> so I, I thought that was rather humorous. But anyway, this is a fun show. Um, I, I like a good mystery and there is definitely suspense. There is definitely a leaves you scratching your head trying to figure out what makes you want makes you want more makes you want to see the next show and that um is well done that that is a well-produced well-written show to make somebody see the first episode and say all right i can't wait to i i really want to see what happens to the, in the second episode so kudos yep. to them right yep all right very good so uh once again uh this is a brand new show 2020 hbo we're here to do um the six ep at least the six episode podcast of it discuss each week uh once again next week is the missing november 1st we'll uh, most likely be recording that on the fourth and releasing it the fifth so uh check every every uh thursday or so for for the episodes i know that's a three or four days later than I'm sure everybody would want to listen to a critique of a show that they're following. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, 
uh, life and the day jobs and all that other stuff uh, call. And that's the reason why we're doing it on Wednesday and releasing Thursday. Uh, so I guess with all that stated, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thanks for joining us in this uh, weekly podcast where we discuss the undoing. And we'll look forward to you joining us next week when we discuss the next episode. Mm-hmm.